seriously nothing better than a podcast to be able to connect with people that used to be or and still technically are influences in your life in some way, shape or form. Someone who feels so far removed from a place that you'll ever be, like you won't be in a conversation with them. And then a podcast allows you access because you are actually providing a platform and an opportunity for their goods, their zone of genius, their greatness, their gold to shine through. And today you are going to get some glimmer and some glitter from one of the people who was my first official coach in the online education course creation branding experience. Her name is Julie Solomon. She had something back in the day. You'll hear the title of it. I don't want to dilute what is coming out with the new name, but in that Influencer Academy, I was able to learn how to say yes to being a non-negotiable in the industry. Everyone's going to turn their way to this particular person because I understood who I was and I understand my messaging associated to it. So I really attribute so much of where the Fit and Faith emerged from, where our nonprofit even now has branding connected to, where the rainbow glitz and glam and loudness that you see on our brand comes from, and it's this particular woman. So if you guys are not already tuned in to her podcast, the Influencer Podcast, highly recommend it. If you have not gotten her book yet, it's called Get What You Want how to go from unseen to unstoppable, but it was such a treasure to have Julie on the show today and to even learn from afar, but now to have her right in your corner, you guys, it's going to be an ample opportunity for you to take these tactical tips that she dropped and apply them to your business today so that you can become more visible. We need you to be more visible. It's a non-negotiable. Let's become visible. Let's create influence. And let's understand that our public relations game is critical for our success. She's the genius. Tune in to Julie Solomon. Listen up. For such a time as this, we must grow our faith and business muscles. The self-help industry is trying to own spirituality and well-being. The entrepreneurial space is becoming flooded with business pursuits focused on success instead of sustenance. But the only one who can make us fully whole, fully free, and fully alive is Jesus. So I'm ecstatic you walked into this hypothetical gym today. I'm your trainer, Tamara Andress, also coined an entrepreneurial rabbi, teaching the pursuits of God, which unveil our purpose and ultimately unleash our desired provision. This FIT acronym is for founders, innovators, and trailblazers. Here, marketplace ministers conversate and educate to build others from the inside out while also sharing their testimonies of endurance. So while it's not a fitness broadcast, I do surely care about your mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual health. You're going to hear all about it. If you're passionate about your becoming journey, leading others to greatness, and living a life of abundance and joy, then you're well on your way to being fit in faith. Let's hydrate.
All right. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. I am so excited for you guys to meet someone that has been one of my first educators when it comes to solopreneurship. I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years at this point, but when I stepped into the coaching arena, my whole world was shaken when it came to branding and personal branding and media and all of this. And Julie Solomon was my first coach, even unofficially. And so I am so excited for you guys to learn and hear of the evolution even from her own personal knowledge and expertise over the course of the last couple of years that I've been following along. Julie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun. Yeah, I think I first got targeted, which I now understand what that means, <laughs> via Facebook back in the day when you had the Influencer Academy. And that was, TIA was like yep. the first community I was a part of. And so I want to hear about like the evolution of how you really got into that space because this is kind of a bizarre place to be. We, we are in the same like cahoots of understanding how it all works, but a majority of people are like, what exactly do you do? How exactly does that work? (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's, you know, it, I feel like it's grown and evolved so much since I started full time online, which was 2016. Um, I really kind of call it now it's, it's the online education, online coaching, online marketing space, online influencing space, depending on the bucket you want to put yourself in. Um, but yeah, I started in 2016 online as, as a online educator and online coach. But prior to that, from 2013 to 2016, I was a lifestyle content creator and consultant, uh, for other content creators, um, on how to monetize their content and work with brands. And then prior to that, I was a publicist in corporate and agency America from 2017 until I gave myself permission to go all in on the business that I have today back in 2016. So it was nine years of the PR work and then about five years of the side hustle and kind of doing all the things while <laughs> still having my quote unquote nine to five. And that really set um, the tone and set the stage for me and, and kind of these stepping stones of that decade of me really learning the the core elements of of marketing and sales and PR from my PR background and my PR career to then really um, becoming a a content creator myself and starting to monetize my content and learning how to not just pitch my clients as a publicist, but how do I pitch myself? And I started to monetize my content really quickly. And then I would have other colleagues and, and friends of mine that would just say, you know, Julie, I don't mean to sound rude, but you have like no followers. (laughs) And you're making money on Instagram. Like, how are you doing this? And I have a lot of followers and I'm not, I'm not able to crack the code. I'm not able to figure it out. And that's when I really learned that it was just, it was just the recipe that people needed. And I had that recipe because of all of my years in PR. And then I applied, I applied that recipe to myself and it worked. And then I started applying it to friends here and there, but I knew that I needed to kind of go to a one-to-many model because there was only so much consulting and, and kind of coaching that I could do. And then that's when I created my first online course and kind of became more into the online course creation industry, which is another niche to this big online space that we live in. Yeah. And so that was 2016. I created my first online course called Pitch It Perfect, which mm-hmm. helps creators and entrepreneurs learn how to pitch themselves so they can monetize the content that they create 
And also just leverage more visibility through media opportunities, through brand collaborations, partnerships, sponsorships. Um, and that, that course is still going strong today. And then a couple of years later, as you said, um, I launched the Influencer Academy mm-hmm. back in 2018, which was, um, at the time, it was a course that was kind of the next step to Pitch It Perfect because it's one thing to build a personal brand through collaborating with other companies and partnering with other companies, but it's just one piece to the puzzle. I really feel that the next step is creating products and services of your own, right. whether that's an online course or a coaching service or a mastermind or an, or an actual physical product, whatever that is, um, I truly believe in the power of diversifying your revenue streams. And so the Influencer Academy really helped people learn how to build more of that out and, and to keep growing. And then we were talking about kind of the evolution of everything. Now I'm about to relaunch and kind of revamp a newer version of the Influencer Academy this fall in September called, um, I think it's going to be called the Visibility Experience or the Ooh, Visibility cool. Accelerator. And um, and again, on those basis of how do you become more visible? How do you create a personal brand that you can then be, that can then be viable, um, not only for um, visibility sake, but really for sales and marketing, yes. you really building something that is your own. And so I think that even that, just lends to the importance of evolution as a whole of, of people that are in the online space. It's never a one and done thing. I've had to continuously evolve myself, my products, my services, my offers, my messaging, um, ever since I started in 2016. So that's kind of my evolution of, of how, of how I've gotten here. And, and now that's really where I tend to live. I have a podcast. Um, the influencer podcast. It's so good. Y'all, she was like the original influencer before everybody called themselves an influencer. Just so you know, she coined the phrase. It might not be copyrighted, but I give it all to Julie Solomon during that. Thank you. And yeah, it's fun. It it is fun. Coaching all of it. So it's, it's a fun ride. Well, and I think that they're like you mentioned briefly, but I've got to witness as a community member and somebody who follows you on social media, what that evolution looked like also from a personal development perspective, like having your journey into motherhood and the experience of how that played into being an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of like friction and tension and time management and some things that happen that I think a lot of people like feel whiplash connected to it sometimes of like, is it even possible that I can continue? But you had already built like such a beautiful base when you were in like the background time frame of that. What was that like for from a time management perspective. Yeah, you know, I think this is such a great topic because it was it was actually motherhood that got me into doing what I do today because in 2013 I had my first child yep. and I knew very quickly that I did not want to be for me what felt shackled and imprisoned to some very kind of corporate nine to five type of cubicle, which yeah. now in 2023, so many people can relate yeah. to that. Back in 2013, it, you know, that was very cool. Yeah. You're a little um, not cuckoo. A lot of people, <laughs> yeah. right, not a lot of people related to it, or I think more than anything, Tamara, a lot of people desired it, but they were too afraid to admit it. Totally. And so I was, I was combating kind of the social norms of that. So I was already a little bit different because I was like, I don't want a nine to five anymore. I want to go do my own thing. And yes, it's scary, but it's going to give me the freedom and flexibility to work from home so I can see my son more. Um, Of course, I had to hire help eventually once once I was able to afford it because I couldn't 
work and be with him at the same time. Yep. That's where you learn in the time management of the, of the trial and error. But it was that it was that desire to have the freedom and flexibility as a mom that gave me the passion and drive to create my own thing. Yeah. And then from that, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, in the beginning, I had to just, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll work on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have my son because Tuesdays and Thursdays, he's at childcare. Yeah. And then, you know, that started to expand over time. And I learned through, you know, the hard seasons and then kind of seasons that felt more in flow, a schedule that really worked for me. And it's a schedule that I've had now for several years. And mind you, I had another child two years ago. I have a daughter who's almost three. So I had to kind of reshift that again. But I am someone who, you know, I think I have been successfully working from home really since 2013. And to me, when I say successfully, I mean, I've been able to figure out the imperfect balance of whatever that is for me and my family. And so the way that that looks now is that I get up and I have, I have mornings with my family. And then once they're out the door, so to speak, my daughter doesn't go anywhere because she's two, <laughs> but once we get my son out the door and we get her situated, I tend to be on from about the hours of, of 10 to three or, or 10 to four Monday through Thursday is really my on hours. And I've gotten very regimented and, and, um, and streamlined with when I do podcasting, uh, you know, calls and interviews, when I, when I have, you know, days for more creative stuff, when I have days for some of the back end stuff, that's not fun. And I think that the best advice I think I could give anyone, especially to moms out there that feel that whiplash is that in the day-to-day moments that you do have, the precious moments that you do have to sit behind your desk and to have that start thinking about what is really essential today. You know, that if I could do all the things that I could do, all the things that I quote unquote have to do, what is really essential today? How much time do I have, do I have available to me to do that today? And what would it take to make happen? And those three questions can really help keep you focused in in, in a straight path when you're trying to figure out time management for yourself. Yeah. That's really good. And I think like connected to that, it's the knowing of self that is developing as you're exploring it, right? Like I love that you're like, it was kind of trial by fire. <laughs> like yeah. sometimes I got it wrong and there's no judgment in that. It's like the grace upon grace. Like that's the thing that we need most. But I also admire that you didn't quit and that you knew that this was a part of your passion. This was a part of your purpose. And you have so many cool tools that need, that people need that honestly, I've been in the coaching world now for several years. And a lot of people don't have this next caliber understanding just that you're saying from the PR perspective. They might understand systems and operations, but you can have the best systems and operations and then no one's coming into your system or operation. And so I love the Pitch It Perfect concept and I love that you not only in that program teach to like how to be confident in yourself, but also how to pitch yourself beautifully, tactfully, without being and like everyone else and standing out from the crowd. A part of that is our own mental problems, which I know is associated to your book. Like, get out of your own way, right? Get out of your way. Get what you want by getting out of your way. And then how to go from being unseen to unstoppable. Can you talk about the evolution of the book connected to your personal story? Yeah, um, I would love to. That's a great question. I mean, I think the first thing that is important to share is that I've always had 
just an unwavering faith. Like even my husband's like, you just have this faith about, you just know that like everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, well, of course, like I am a million percent supported. And so I feel like I'm very, you know, and, and as I got older, I realized I was like, oh, there's people that don't have that or aren't connected to that or don't, you know, that's something that they have to, it's like a learned skill set. Whereas for me, I think growing up, growing up in a church, growing up and having, you know, my parents instill that it's, I didn't know anything different. Yeah. And so it's kind of like that beautiful ignorance is bliss where I'm like, I can just, I can <laughs> go through life and like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. yeah and of course, it's not always that easy because right. there is just the reality of, of the human existence and there's yeah. the reality of life. But I, everything starts for me from that core basis of like, even when things are not working out, it's still working out for me. Mm. And even though things may be hard and I may be in, in a, in a season of just really bad struggle and I can't seem to see the other end of it. I know that I am going to be supported and I just need to surrender to whatever this moment is. And like, I will get there when I am supposed to get there. Mm. And so for me, that a, a lot of that really comes from that getting what you want. It's like, I believe that anyone can get what they want if they first believe that getting what they want is possible for them. And the way in which I think people believe that is believing in something greater than yourself, believing in the faith to drive you to that next, to that next phase, that next desire, whatever that is in your life, and knowing that you can trust and that you are supported each step of the way. So that's, that's the big step there. And then for my own personal journey, it, it was a lot of, I think, revealing that belief that I have to myself as, as a truth. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot in my life that I never would have thought I could actually do it. But I, you know, it was like that little voice inside me was like, Oh, you know, could I maybe write a book one day? Could I, could I share my voice and people care? Could I create something that actually impacts people that changes their lives, that gives them permission to live uh, you know, a life to whatever the fullest is for them, you know, is it really possible to get what you want and, um, and not just check off the boxes and yeah. on to the next. And so yeah. for me, it was a discovery of that. And, and then also really rooting into to gratitude once you do get what you want. Um, I think that's a big thing too, is recognizing when you finally have something that you so badly wanted, maybe a year, two, three, five ago, and, and really taking those moments in for the gratitude pieces as well. So that's kind of how it's parlayed into a lot of, of my own journey. It's beautiful. And I think that I, I know I can be in that space of like, go, 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 that I forget to take. I always have gratitude like in spirit, but actually taking the pause to celebrate connected to gratitude is like, remember you wanted this to happen. Like stop, pause. I had, I'm an ordained minister as well. And, and just a couple weekends ago, I got to marry someone and I'm sitting there in their wedding. And I'm like, before I even go forth for the vows, can you just take it in? Like you're here, you're here right now. Like turn around, look at all the people that are with you. Right. And like taking that pause in life is something that I don't think we're taught very well, especially when we're little. It's like, come on, hurry up, put your shoes on. Let's go. And like, hold on just a second. And my daughter is very patient. She is very on her own pace. And so she, while I had that friction moment as a mom, I'd be like, let's go. You're going to be late. I realized, wow, like her rhythm of grace is so different than my 
my rhythm of grace and she allows me to celebrate more often because she rem- it reminds me of what's going on around me. And I think that's where the synchronicity of being an entrepreneur or a woman specifically who has kids, who is an entrepreneur. I'm not so sure how I feel about like the mom boss movement, but I guess it is a thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's just the fact that we're an entrepreneur and we're a woman, right? It, it's nothing different. We're no fempreneurs. We just are also a woman. And so we get to celebrate. And that's something that I want to include more often in the way that I show up in my entrepreneurial journey, because that's the fun part. That's the play part. And sometimes you're in the pit, right? <laughs> Totally. A million percent. And I think that that's where we also, we can also start to become aware of, of, of where that, that guilt or that, you know, resistance or whatever that is, is coming in, into play. And I think that, um, the more that we can get away from that, you know, that idea of the mom guilt, yes. um, that's kind of what comes up for me when I, when I was hearing you talk and it's like, you know, I don't think that, I don't think God wants me to be, to, to feel guilty for being a mom or being a mom who also has my own dreams and desires that I want to live out and fulfill. And so the mom guilt just doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve really doesn't. me. It doesn't serve my children. It, it actually disconnects me from my, my greater purpose. Um, and, and again, getting back into that gratitude and that presence and, and pausing, I think is, is a surefire way to get us out of the guilt the the windfall, the overwhelm, the exhaustion, all those other things yeah. that can come from, you know, that the intense emotions. Absolutely. That- well, and I also find that it affects my relationship with my husband even too, because he's like, no, like I'm fine. I'm not babysitting, right? Like these are my children. I enjoy them too. Go do your thing. Stop having FOMO with every single little thing that we're doing. I'm allowed to experiencing things with them as well. So my husband and I are always laughing. He's like, I'm afraid to tell you what we're doing because we're having so much fun. And I'm in, I'm in like Florida or Tulum on a women's retreat, right? And he's just like, I don't even want to tell you that we just went to the movie theater and had a big bowl of popcorn because for some reason I think you're going to want to wish that you were here. And it's yep. just, I think it's just my mama heart more so than the guilt. But I do have that sense of FOMO when I'm not with my babies experiencing, especially when it's something they're doing for the first time, even if yes. it is popcorn in a bowl of, uh, uh, at the movie, right? Yep. <laughs> All right, quick interruption, but actually it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper, not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family, be a part of the foundation of what the founder collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly founder collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast, talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. Additionally, we're inviting you to our annual conference. This is be our third annual conference. You can go to thefoundercon.com. Again, that's thefoundercon.com. And you'll get to hear people like Jay worship and teach and share from his testimony. Anthony, Pastor Anthony, the bearded wonder. (laughs) He's going to come to you with his fiery flaming shoes and his voice and the belly. The fire that's within his belly comes out in such a dynamic way when it's on stage. Myself, my team, and all the incredible people who are part of this family. It's not just us. And we want you to be in on the us because we want to make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped 
and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited. You're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the link. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning. This is a call. This is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in him as a founder in the Founder Collective. So Julie, I want to um, provide some value. We've had so much already, but I want to hear some of the tips and tricks that you are, are kind of in your tool belt and what you're known for associated to the way that you've gotten to where you are today. And that that literally career, you had a full career before you jumped into being an entrepreneur um, and how you apply that to what you're doing today. Can you give us some PR tips? Yeah. Um, I think I think really the first thing is you know, that time management piece and yeah. it's, it's a learned skill. And so if anyone feels like they're just kind of floating around and they can't stay focused, you know, working with someone or reading a book or doing something that can really help you with that. Um, and in my book, get what you want. There is, I, I kind of go through a little bit of like how I was able to structure, um, my life, especially when I was between that corporate side hustle, full-time entrepreneur phase. So that, that is, that is huge. Um, and then when it comes to the marketing and branding piece, you know, I think that I always had a keen understanding of knowing what, what looked and felt good versus what didn't and, and whatever way that that means. And I think that that has played and continues to play a giant role, not only in my own business success, but, but really in my ability to help others succeed, which in turn, you know, allows my business to succeed. I am really good at finding the holes and, and, and helping kind of people fill those in when it comes to marketing and branding. And I think a big piece that I see for, for people is that confidence piece is that people wait around for the confidence. And then they tell themselves that once they have the confidence and I'm putting that in quotation marks, then they'll be able to write better and create better content and grow their following and, and, you know, be more articulate or whatever it is. But it's, 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 all of those things is what actually gets you the confidence, not the other way around. And so it's really first about having the courage to take the leap, the courage to take the next step. So that would be another tool that I have in my toolbox is I have a lot of courage. I do not waste time or energy worrying about, um, you know, looking weird or bad failing, you know, and, and even as someone who used to be a massive, like people pleaser and perfectionist recovering perfectionist, you know, those things have kept me stalled in the past, but I, I, my courage has to be greater than those excuses. And so I think that's another tool that I encourage people to have. It's like, I I don't need you to come with me with, with confidence. I don't need you to have clarity. I don't need you to have all the right answers. I just need you to have some flipping courage to just make a decision. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. No, like, and just learn from it. And yes. so I, that's the other thing is I, I have this, this tool, I think of always being a student because I either, I either succeed or I learn, but I don't fail. And right. I feel like any, any kind of quote unquote failure is just information, right. That we get to use to pivot, optimize or redirect. And so I think it's, it's that constant tool of, of the courage piece and just the ability to take the next step, the ability to take action, to not get so frozen 
in your analysis paralysis or your fear or your desire to be perfect or not wanting to look like a fraud or an imposter or mm-hmm. all of those things. Um, yes, they could be a part of your day-to-day life, but they don't need to be sitting in the driver's seat. And so the more that you can have the courage to just move forward, that's been, I think, a big tool for me um, in a bigger in a bigger you know, yeah. Arena. Yeah, for sure. And I think people can sniff that out, right? Like, especially when you're pitching a brand or especially when you're pitching to be on a magazine or on a show or anything like that, people are like, ah, is it, is she really believe in herself? (laughs) And I think I've had some even sponsors or people who want to sponsor conferences and we've had conversations and they're like, I want to see you believe in yourself and then I'll believe in you. And I remember when I heard that and it was from one of my male mentors and I was like, what do you mean? Like, I believe in myself so much. And a part of that belief was also, was I willing to put my money where my belief was? And you probably know this all the more than I do with the duration of time that you've been doing this from a coaching perspective, people want it. They want everything that you offer. They absolutely say that they need it but they're not willing to invest in it. And investing is not just money, though that's one of the crucial resources connected to it, but it's also the time and the talent. And so how often are you with community members or aspiring community members who money is their biggest block? Oh, 98% of the time. <laughs> ah, it's so true though. It's like, and that's the thing that it's like, you know, most people, and he, there's there's so much to unpack here. And yeah. so- there's one end of being the person that won't invest. And then the other end of, you know, let's say you're a coach and you're making an offer to someone who won't invest. And it's like, you said that you wanted it, you know that you need it, but why aren't you willing to invest? And I think that another tool that someone can develop and take on, it's, it's just about the power of making more offers. I think Mm -hmm. there's this subconscious belief that we have that we're going to go out and we're going to you know, share our offer with, we have a math, we have a retreat in Tulum yes. and we're going to go and we're going to invite 10 people to it. And those 10 people are going to say yes. And it's <laughs> likely not. That would be great. Telling yourself that these 10 people are going to say yes. It's like, if yeah. you want to fill your Tulum retreat with 10 people, you need to go and you need to offer it to a hundred. Yeah. At, at you easy. 100 people. Yeah. And then most likely you might have 10 people. Say yeah. Yes. And so I really see with a lot of the clients that I coach, which are a lot of coaches themselves, is that they start to lose confidence and they get really insecure and they get really down on themselves because they're like, Julie, I went and I made this offer and no one has said yes to it. And I'm like, well, how many people have you offered it to? Well, I don't know. I sent out one email. Okay. Well, how many people responded? Well, I don't know. And it's like, well, what are, what are you pulling this data from? Like you're, you're not even, you're, you're being so hard on yourself based on really nothing. So like, let's actually look at what's available to you and what's actually there. And almost always it's due to, if they're not meeting their goals or they're not filling the space and they're not, you know, whatever that is, it's because they're not making enough offers. Right. And it really just comes down to a volume game of, you know, how many people do you need, do you want for this experience? And then what, well, then you need to multiply that by 10. And that's how many people that you need to make offers to. And I think that when you start to look at it from more of that analytical standpoint, it actually, you stop taking it so personal and you actually separate from it a little bit. And then, and then that's when it becomes, I think a little bit more creative and a little bit more fun. And the other thing, that's when you can start putting enthusiasm into yes. what you're doing. Because enthusiasm is what leads to sales. That's yes. another thing. 
you know, and that goes back to what you were saying of like, well, once you believe in yourself, you're excited about what you're selling, then I'll be excited. (laughs) Yes. Because otherwise you're just, it's like a hook and bait. You're like, I have this thing. I want you to buy it. I have this thing. I want you to buy it. And people don't want that. Like when I sell like my clothing or I sell a hair product, your hair looks so good. Oh my gosh. I've gone through 20 other products. Let me tell you all about it. There is this magnetism from our passion because we believe in it and because we know it works. And what I've found a lot of times, people have built something out of examples to what other people have done, and they actually don't believe that it could work, which is another reason that they put that sales component, that sharing, that offering to the very bottom of their priority list. They just, and I've been guilty of this, so I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'll work on all the other fun stuff. I'll build my website. I'll tweak the stuff behind the scenes. I'll send emails, but none of them are offering because I'm, I am in a lack of belief over the fact that either my program is worthy. It's not my worthiness, but my program isn't going to serve people. What is your thought on when someone is new into this space? Because that's a lot of the people that I get to serve is how, how do you test this? What is the the testing, the beta clients? What does that part look like so that they can build their confidence and believe in what it is that they've created? Yeah, this really comes down to asking more questions because mm. selling happens in the questions and then the buying happens in the silence. Mm. And I think a lot of times people just talk and talk and talk and talk without actually asking questions. Good. And the amount of feedback that you can get from your community and from your your audience, from your following, I don't care how big it is. Yeah. The amount of feedback that you can get by asking questions to the people that are there or even your former clients. There's a, um, I'll give you another tool. There's a, a little, um, homework thing, if you will, that I give to my mastermind members when they first come into my world. And I say, I want you to go back to your last, you know, 10 clients. Mm -hmm. And I want you to basically say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I just wanted to check in, see if there's anything that I can help you with. And if there is something that you can help them with, then promise to take care of it immediately. But then say, may I ask you a question? You could have invested or purchased this product or service from anyone, but you invested in me. Would you share why you bought this from me instead of Mm. someone else? Good. And then you literally close your mouth and you remain silent and you let them talk. And just that question, Mm. it gives you so much feedback Mm -hmm. of like people that have invested in you in the past. Why did they do it? And a lot of times when I ask someone, I'm like, well, why did that person invest it with you? I don't know. Well, go ask them. And so (laughs) me, there's a lot that can be happening in a beta season, if you will, of just going back to former clients, former customers, or even just people in your community and asking them really simple, but provoking questions that are going to give you a ton of feedback. You know, why do you follow me? You could, you could follow anybody in the world. Why are you following me? Why do you engage in my content? Why did you buy this thing from me? Why do you keep coming back to me when you could go to anyone else? Why do you keep listening to my podcast? And that's going to give you not only all the copy that you need for your sales page, but it's so true. Objections, desires, all the emotions, again, that people buy from because people buy based on the emotional anticipation of what it is that they want to feel, not on some kind of deliverable or strategy. And so that's really going to help deepen the concept and get you excited and get you passionate 
about why you're doing the work that you're doing in the first place. So good. And those are like such tangible, practical tips for you guys. So please apply them. And I think it's also even knowing if you haven't yet had a client and you're in that space, you, you mentioned it, like there are people following you. Maybe it's your mom. Ask her, mom, what do you, what, if you were going to ask me any question or if I was going to, you were going to ask me to help you with something, what would it be that you would come to me for? And even Mm -hmm. just asking your best friends, like, what do you rely on me for? And understanding, like, there's a worthiness connected to your relationships based on why someone is in relationship with you. And that is allowing you to have that sense of confidence. Wow. Everybody always asks me for tips on how I cook. Not me because my husband cooks, but I'm just giving an example, right? That could Relations be something. Advice, how yes. you cook, your your skincare what regimen. What you wear, yes. Right. Um, yes. You know, what to wear. Your, you know, how do you travel on a budget? Like Totally. There's so much value because a lot of people say, well, I don't know what to sell. I don't have anything valuable. I don't have any clients. No one comes to me for anything. I don't believe that that's true. Even if it's just your group of friends, you're, you know, consistently throughout your lifetime, what is the thing that people most come to you for? And you could start there and start asking questions around that. I have a a girlfriend who you kind of alluded to this before, um, from a followership perspective, tons of followers, hundreds of thousands. If not, she's ranked on all of the millions and she didn't have like the business strategy. She didn't have the operational sense or knowledge. And so that's one of the reasons that she came to me. She's like, I love that you share your faith and business. I've got the faith part down. I'm really good at creating community, but no one buys from me. I'm like, well, what are you selling? She's like, well, I, I have a lead magnet. So she was growing a list, which is great. I'm proud of her emails, kudos, but there was nothing to buy. And so she couldn't make money if she didn't have something to create from that. And she ended up realizing that the thing that people came to her most for, which is not something people think to pay for, was learning how to be confident. And so you can create a course, you can create a personal brand, you can write a whole book and start a podcast around that thing that we're talking about here. And people just don't, they don't, they think it's, it, they think it's more elusive, like they think it's harder than it is. <laughs> like it's, it's not that hard. Right. And it, and it doesn't, you know, sometimes it could be this ethereal thing yes. or, something, or sometimes it could be something that's very black and white and tangible, yeah. but people will pay for confidence. People yes. will pay. I have a client and she teaches elegance. Oh, cool. Yeah. What does it mean to be elegant? What Love does it that. mean to dress elegant? What does it mean? You know, like, and people, I mean, her YouTube is crazy and people buy her stuff all the time. And so I, I think it's, again, it's about empowering yourself to make decisions and to really root into what makes you shine. And I think it's so much easier to kind of deflect, get into the scarcity mode, um, look outward, but the more that you can just break it up into a lot of tangible bites that we've both given today, I think the more consumable it is and the more realistic and available to you, it becomes. Yeah, that's so good. So you have some new things that you got, obviously are on the book kind of launch journey. It's so awesome. Um, also, the podcast is consistent. It's been around for a long time, so you can scroll back, 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 and that stuff is still so tangible today. I love going back to some of your old stuff and listening to it and consuming it because it's evolved, but those things are still like rock solid because it was fresh then, and it hasn't lost track 
traction from the PR and media realm. The personal branding is still what people are working on and need more than anything because they don't understand how it operates. What are you focused on from like a mastermind perspective, from a gathering of people? Because I see that that's something that you're doing more often um, now that now the baby girl is a little bit more manageable. <laughs> I'd love to hear. Yeah. So I have a mastermind that, um, I usually kick it off about twice a year. I do it at the beginning of the year because my masterminds run depending on the option that you choose three to six months. Cool. Um, and so I'll do a a beginning of the year kind of collective and then a mid year collective. And the mastermind is, I I love a mastermind. A mastermind changed my own life and business. I joined a mastermind back in 2017 and it was, um, financially the biggest I had gone from 250,000 a year to over a million and in, in under a year. And a lot of that had to do with the focus, the drive, the strategy and the dedication that a mastermind gave me. But not only that, it was the lifelong friendships that I was able to cultivate and just the networking that I was able to cultivate from that. And so I'm a big believer in masterminds and I'm a big believer that, you know, if anyone is listening, if you are at a place that you are for the most part, consistently making $10,000 a month or more, you should be in a mastermind. There's no reason for you to not be. There's no excuses to not be. There's going to be a mastermind out there for you. Of course, masterminds vary in who the leader is, the price points, the experience, what you get. But if you are someone who's consistently making 10 grand a month, which is huge, like that is a beautiful, great way to not only invest back into your business, but to invest in yourself and your own personal development. So I could not, you know, talk enough about masterminds. So, um, I have, I have one called the visibility experience. Um, and then retreats. I love to host retreats throughout the year. I think there's a definitely, you know, a certain type of person who they love in real life experiences. They want it. They want to invest in it. They love that community aspect of it. And, um, and of course there's so many different options, you know, for that. And so I'll do some, I'll do some retreats throughout the year. I know that you know all about those. I do. Um, but really where I love, to, where I shine and where I love to help other people shine is, is through, um, I call it like a, a hybrid program. So it's going to be something that is curriculum based, but you actually get me in real time, mm-hmm. virtually coaching you through the process. That's awesome. I see, um, you know, it, the, I'm not going to say the most success because masterminds, you have such transformations, but what I love about the hybrid programs that I have like pitch it perfect and what is going to be the new influencer Academy yeah. since you knew that the visibility accelerator is that it's, it's more of a manageable price than a mastermind is. Yeah. And so more people can, can opt into it and to invest in it. It's great. If you are literally starting from scratch, you know, nothing, or if you've been at something for a while and you're ready to up level to the next phase. Um, and I really love teaching in those types of modalities and capacities. And so I'm really excited for the fall. Um, I am revamping and, and, and launching a brand new, um, a brand new program, a hybrid program that's going to have coaching uh, components to it and a curriculum to follow that is all about personal branding, marketing, and visibility. And I'm taking some of the initial foundations that I laid inside the Influencer Academy, but really up-leveling it to be more um, personal branding and marketing focused. Um, there's also just people out there that don't love that word influencer, and I get it. Yeah. And so, you know, I've learned how to embrace it, but I know yes. some people out there are like, I am not an influencer. Like I am so not that, 
but they still want the same exact thing right. that an influencer, an influencer wants. has. Want, yeah. Right. It's like they want the visibility, they want the personal brand, they want the engaged audience, they want the strong content yeah. creation, they want all of it. Yep. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll <laughs> up level it. I actually really like this shift. <laughs> right. I, I really think that it, it is ultimately what people want, even if they are comfortable with the word influencer, is right. the visibility. Um, yes. But now, similar to even coach, like, everybody's carrying this banner of influencer coach. And it's like, oh, where's the truth in that? And so there's results connected to visibility that either prove to be true or prove not to be true. But everyone could call themselves an influencer. And we exactly. all are. When I found out um, Sarah Jakes Roberts had an amazing sermon, that girl's on fire. And she was talking about how the root word of influence actually means to be in flow. And I'm yep. like, oh, okay, so if I can flow, if I'm in alignment, then that's how influence, that's that magnetism we were talking about. I'm comfortable with saying like, I'm, I'm aligned right now because mm-hmm. I honestly can feel when I'm not. And your numbers generally show when you're not, right? If you create mm-hmm. something and it takes so much energy and effort outside of your comfort zone, well, not comfort zone, that's the worst, outside of your zone of genius because I, I want to push people outside of their comfort zones more often than not. Um, but that zone of genius is not shining, as you would say, then people can sense it. People know that it's not authentic. And so I love how you have consistently shown up in your authentic self throughout the duration of time that I followed you. I'm grateful to have had you on the show today. And I know you're going to have so much influence and help others in my community get visible because that's not necessarily what we talk about. We talk about how to unlock your voice, how to write, write, publish your words, understand how to unlock and create a podcast, build the business. But I think there's still that next level of visibility that has to happen. And honestly, that you, you said it really well, but I think people who are just starting, this is a place to start, but also the people who feel like they have traction in all the other pieces. I mentioned the operations and the systems are like flowing good. And yet you just don't feel like you're getting in front of enough people to offer the thing. And so, Julie, you're an expert in that. I'm grateful for your wisdom. It's always being dropped on the podcast. So you guys be sure to utilize that as a resource and get involved in some of the cohorts, whether it's a retreat, a mastermind, or her new visibility experience. I'm all for experience. It's my favorite thing. And so I know it'll be immersive. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, y'all. We'll see you around next time. Hey, y'all. It's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts. And you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and it's going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. 
Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.